everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Happiness and Humans. My name is Matt Phelan and I'm here with one of my most favourite people in the world, Serene Tan. Um, how are you, Serene? Uh, hi, Matt. Uh, thank you for having me and I'm great. It's Thursday, uh, my favourite day of the week. What, um, I, what, why is it your favourite day of the week, Serene? Uh, I, I think it's a lot about the um, anticipation of Friday to come. Uh, actually, uh, much better than Friday itself. Uh, well, we've got some research on that, which I will send. I will send you afterwards. I think it's on another podcast, but I'll dig it out on on why you feel like that. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, Serene, for for our listeners, the reason I thought of you when I was thinking about who I could get on the podcast, you're a, a leader that I've worked with that I see people gravitate towards you, and I'm I'm a re- I'm really obsessed with leadership and what makes great leaders, and I, and I see you as an amazing leader. Um, which is why I've got you on. But it'd be great if you could introduce yourself um, in your own words, Serene, and your, and, and your background and what you're interested in. Thank you, thank you. Um, uh, yes, I I am an ex-colleague of yours. Um, the difference between us now is that I'm still in the same company and uh, you moved on uh, to find uh, uh, your passion. Um, I'm still with Artifact. Um uh, actually, just a month ago, I, I, I relocated back home to Singapore to drive Artifact in APEC. Um, but before this, uh, I was in China, specifically Shanghai, uh, for six years, um, where I was uh, the managing director for Artifact China. Brilliant. And um, Serene, just on a side note, you've taken a bit of time out recently to 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 go back into education and learn some stuff. Can you tell us about that? Because I do think it's fascinating. Uh, you do? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a bit irrelevant uh, from, from leadership. Um, but okay, uh, we digress a bit. Uh, sorry, whoever is uh, listening to this. Um, yes, I took uh, one year, not off from work, but uh, 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 juggling it um, concurrently with work uh, to um, pursue a deeper knowledge on um, Western medicine uh, integrated with uh, Chinese medicine. Um, I was uh, personally um, just very curious and and, um, uh, passionate actually uh, about about the topic. So um, I was a consumer and I wanted to be a more educated consumer. Uh, I was not uh, looking to practice uh, practice uh, medicine at the end of the day. So uh, I took a one-year course, yes. Wow. And I, I do think it's relevant, Serena. I know you think it's, it's not, but I just find it fascinating for anyone out there that wants to take some time to educate themselves. Um, so I think it's amazing that you did that. Before we go into the questions, what what... If you had to sum up like one thing that you took from take, taking that time to do that, what would it be? Mm, it would be that, you know, don't, mm, don't uh, underestimate how um, taking on more breath instead of depth um, could have uh, in, in, your, in your day job or in your main career. Um, I think I think uh, that was the most interesting takeaway for me. Uh, a lot of people um, I see around me, they 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 pursue an MBA, uh, they pursue um, a master's, uh, probably in 
uh, I don't know, data science, uh, computer engineering, um, finance, etc. Um, but they they stack on, right? Um, I don't know if this is a popularly uh, used term, but they stack on to uh, their core um, and they go deeper. Uh, but I think for me, what was distinctly different um, and also from the reactions of the people who who, who knew uh, what I did was um, I, I chose uh, to dedicate time to something that um, I thought was uh, quite completely irrelevant um, to my my day job. And uh, I think I think that brought a lot of uh, a lot more perspective on on things. Um, it might not be directly uh, 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 consequential. Uh, to the day career, um, but uh, I think it added more dimension uh, for for myself and from from for the way I see things. I love I love that. It's fair. There's a lot of parallels there with the Steve Jobs thing, where he dropped out of uni and and started taking calligraphy courses, and then <laughs> that yes. that ended up how he ended up getting the typeface for Apple, wasn't it? Yes, Did, yes um, exactly. So, do you feel coming back? I know this wasn't why we were supposed to chat, but do you feel coming back now? After to doing that do you feel like you've got more energy do you feel like you can be better at your job from that new perspective i think um, i think it i think it helped me to uh, be able to clearly differentiate um your your expertise in something which um which is my my career uh, because i i went into um traditional medicine and Western medicine uh, uh, with zero knowledge. Not zero, right? But really superficial knowledge. So if I'm an, if I'm an expert in something, it would be more uh, at my job than in my passion. Um, I think I think that kind of, that kind of, um, how do you say this? It kind of instills um, humility. Uh, uh, how do I say this? Um when I stepped into pursuing this passion and the people around me all were a lot more um, educated on that topic than I am, um, it gave me another perspective of um, being very hungry uh, to, 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 to learn new things and to catch up um, and to be better. Whereas at my job, uh, at my day job, um, I go about my day and I feel very confident uh, uh, at a presentation. I feel very confident at um, tightening a narrative uh, for a pitch, etc. Because I do these things um, very, very often, right? And yeah. um, it kind of, it kind of, it, it kind of, yes, that, that perspective that it provided me also, um, I think that passion to learn again uh, kind of cascaded um, to my work, uh, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, yes, that's what happened. No, I think it, I think it's amazing to hear, Serene. And um, have you heard of an author called Bill Bryson? Bryson? Yeah, Bill Bryson, an American mm -hmm. author. American? No, no. So he wrote a, wrote a book um, called Notes from a Small Island. Um, he moved to the UK and he just wrote about the craziness of the English, basically. And, mm. uh, and and his observation of like all the things that we do and what we like, and so I'm gonna. Uh, this is all. This is good. this episode is almost like the notes from a, a big country, because we've got your six. We're gonna start off with your um, six years of what you learned in China. But before we do that, um, let's um, let's. Uh, what makes you happy, Serene? Wow. Um, okay, so you're you're just uh, diving into that big question. Yeah. Mm. And that's very difficult to answer, you know, right? 
Um, I kind of hope that that question would have been uh, the last uh, that you asked. We can do uh, that. We can do that. Let, well, let's mix it up. Let's mix it up. Let's come back no, to no, it. No, no. Let, let me try. Let me try because I'm starting to think about it already. And, and I mean, yes, yes I, I think about it from time to time and I'm just going to answer... Um, uh, uh, I'm just going to I'm just going to think out loud, okay? Yeah, go um, for it. I I think first um, on a personal context. Um, so no matter whether it's work or it's family um, or friends, uh, I I I feel I feel very alive, or I I derive a very uh, a deep sense of um, how do I say this content. Uh, when I know that I I can positively influence, um, I think actually that that's the that's the that's also the reason why I am uh, innately very intrigued um, in healthcare. Um, I think that's a that's a similarity there. Okay, mm. um, but back to your question, I I think I feel. I feel I feel very contented and very happy, um, or I feel a sense of value uh, when I know that I have positively influenced um, and then made an impact on, on the people around me, um, and then how this cascades to 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 um, my work or what drives me at work, um, I think. Uh, I I look back, uh, and I still remember just one month ago when I when I bade farewell to all the colleagues um, in Artifact uh, uh, China, and I received a lot of letters, a lot of notes, um, and I think they all say the same thing, which is that um, I I have made an impact, right, or I have influenced. But then again, it's it's something that. Uh, I strive to do um, and I get a very uh, uh, innate sense of gratification um, I think uh, coming from management or, or organizational management yeah um, yeah no I think I, I think it's so linked with my intro to you because I do think that's why people are drawn to you um, but mm-hmm. no it's so fascinating to hear Serene and um, you've asked to combine the next two questions, which I'm just going to read them out and then we'll combine them. Mm. So as an MD in China, what was your approach to leading people? Um, and the third question, do you think being a leader in China needs to be different to other countries in the world? Mm. Um, these two questions um, are, are very relevant uh, together um, because I think when, when I put them together, I think the this question there's a very strong hint um, on cultural context um, uh, and and you're asking to me whether that called for an adaptation of management style right to to be yeah. effective or to be successful so so if I take a step back I, I think um, first what is what is uh, unique right about about the talents in China is that they they have this they have this relatively uh, insatiable hunger um, this hunger is uh, for improvement, uh, for progress. Um, I attribute I attribute this actually in part to the the pursuit actually uh, of the Chinese um, for economic success, and uh, in another large part due to I guess uh, just the crazy immense population size in China, and yeah. I think this leads to um, a very high level of competition to distinguish yourself from your peer. Um, 
I think also when you talk to the staffs in the China office, it's evident that um, they they were they morphed into this over decades, um, starting from their education, right? Um, where where the performance of um, a student uh, makes or break his future. Now, the the, the Chinese they they literally um, they literally think that way, or they literally feel that way, right? Um, and it kind of it kind of hints at um, when when they are done with their education, why when they come out uh, into into uh, the workplace, um, there is this um, sense of hunger uh, or drive. Mm. Uh, now the implication I think uh, on managing an organization um, of talents um, who who embody such a strong drive to succeed is um, I I I think it's. Uh, multifold okay number one i think um in order to manage a a, a body of uh, uh, team members like that and we have about 110 people in artifact um, uh, china um, i think the need to inspire as a leader um, it's amplified i say Mm. amplified because it doesn't mean that outside of china you you don't need to inspire Uh, i think that that it's just amplified and i'm going to explain why yeah. I, I feel that when I look back, um, there is a, there is this strong, very strong sense of urgency, right, among the people to to accomplish, to grow, um, to find their next milestone in their career, um, and and as a leader to these talents, I think you have to stay ahead in your vision and your strategy. And you, um, Serene, just to jump in, you mentioned like, obviously the sure. size size of the population, is that. Is that competition, is that driven from individuals or is that something that's fostered by the government or is it, where's that drive, where's that hunger coming from? Yes, so I, I think economic success is, um, is, is the uh, unifying uh, theme among the Chinese, right? And, and everybody moves towards that, right? Um, they, they, they drum to their own rhythm, but they are all uh, drumming to that direction. That's number one. And number two, um, since like um, God knows when, I think education or the education system in in China has been very rigid, very systematic and um, quite meritocratic, right? So when you you put a huge population of people and you build a very steep uh, pyramid where only uh, the the 0.1% of uh, students would make it uh, on a bell curve and, and they, they, they go to the best universities and they have access to the best uh, professors. I think, I think as a child, when you grow, grow up with that kind of a system and you come out to work, uh, I think it, you bring that mentality or, or that hunger with you. Um, I, I think it's um, largely uh, these two things. Um, the drive uh, to be economically successful, wealthy, um, and number two, the education system uh, compounds. Mm. Mm. It's fascinating. Thanks, Serene. I interrupted to so, so carry on. <laughs> no problem. So I, I, I think I mentioned, um, I, ref- I tried to reflect a bit, right? Um, and I think what it implied for me as a leader to a team like that is number one, I, I mentioned um, the, the, the need to inspire is uh, amplified. Right mm. and um, just to carry on, um, I think I think 
when you're leading a group of people like that who are so hungry, so driven, um, one thing I, f- I felt like I needed to do was that I needed to stay ahead um, in terms of vision and strategy. Uh, I felt that I had to be um, crystal clear on how the market is evolving, what yep. skill sets need to be invested for future proofing, uh, how to manage company growth with staff growth. Um, on the top of my mind, these are the types of questions that I, I feel that I spend time thinking about a lot. And yep. um, the, my point of view actually to these questions, uh, they often then lay the foundation for my day-to-day management of the team. Uh, yep. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it, it totally does. Um, and actually, that that being the first implication, and now I I'm I'm uh, I, I think of something else, and actually I have a, a second uh, implication to bring up, which is actually the need for clarity. Um, when I say clarity, I mean uh, the ability to communicate and then cascade that the roadmap or the blueprint that you have in your head across the different roles and levels of seniority. Um, after, this is slightly different but similar to possessing the ability to influence them in the way that they understand um, how each and every one of them, right? Because they're so driven, they're so hungry. Yeah. Um, but they need to know that every day when they come into office and they spend that eight to nine hours, what they're doing, how it is contributing to advancing a bigger team vision, right? They don't want to feel pigeonholed. Uh, they want to feel that they're growing. They want to feel that they're part of something bigger. I think uh, actually that's very important. So I think then the, the, the duty or the responsibility of a leader uh, to be able to cascade that kind of uh, vision and after influence them uh, to, to, to move in that same direction, it's, um, it's uh, very important, I guess, uh, especially for talent retention. Um, so I, I think combined uh, the effects of how well these leadership traits are carried forward in execution because these are all theory right but how well it's um, really executed on a, on a day-to-day uh, uh, level is um, it, it, it makes or breaks um, how well you steer a large team uh, of very driven um, individuals um, Serene, just to jump in there on, on talent retention, something that people in the West are obsessed about with China is the sort of the 996 working system. So for those <laughs> that don't know, the sort of 9am to 9pm, six days per week, 72 hours a week system. And when we were last over, when um, we were on that trade mission, that mm. because I was talking about culture, that came up in almost every single meeting. Everyone wanted to, to talk about that particular subject. And I found it a really difficult one to, to answer because I never believe in one system. I believe in what's right for the for those individuals. So some of the companies we were going to were, were providing housing alongside the, 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 the role, which mm-hmm. is to- totally different um, to um, something that we would have in, in, in the UK. Have you got any views on, on 996 at all? Um, for sure. I think, I think when people hear or when people outside of China hear about nine nine six, um, they often think of um, slight oppression, mm. uh, a lack of uh, work life balance, um, and then 
there is this subtle uh, hint that um, it's the employer who has a hold over the employees and therefore instituting some sort of a, a, a crazy um, overworked uh, system, right? Yeah. Undeniably. But actually, actually, I have to I have to step in and say that that's not very fair. Um, why I say this is because um, you will be surprised uh, to realize that this 996 culture is, I feel, in equal parts, um, a result of the drive of the employees. Now, these uh, 996 cultures, they're not everywhere, first and yeah. foremost. Second, they are more predominant in tech companies, right? Um, tech companies where there are... They, they, are, they, are, they are mostly working around digital products, right? Um, so the nature, of these, um, the nature of these companies, yes, might call for a 996 culture, number one. However, I have to, I have to come in and, and say that I have a few uh, uh, friends and actually ex-artifact um, colleagues who, who are, for example, in Ali, Alibaba. Yeah. Right. And um there is it, it's a very prestigious company to 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 be in, right? And yeah. at the end of the day, everybody they, they're there to prove themselves. They're not there to uh retire, they're not there to uh, uh uh so that they get that free lunch or that nice campus. They're there yeah. to 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 make a very significant impact. And they're yeah. willing because they 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 uh, made it into the company after like seven to ten rounds of interviews, yeah. they are hungry, they are very willing willing to put in that time and that effort um, to, to distinguish themselves. So I, what my point of view on this is that um, I would like for everybody to, to take a step back and, and think, you know, a, a company culture or culture within a working environment. Um, most people think, yes, it's top down. I, I agree so. But at some point, um, if it is not well received uh, or it does not sit right with the type of talents that you're bringing in, then I'm sorry, uh, it's not going to be sustainable. But the fact is, if it's sustainable, it's two-way. You know, it's top-down yeah. and it's yeah. bottom-up. And, and that, it's a culture that fits. That's why I was so interested. And I think the other thing I've, I've observed from being there, if I play Bill Bryson for a second, is how, is, is how it's much more multicultural than people think. So when when we were visiting companies there's people from diff all different types of asia europe and so on whereas i think when people think of 996 they're thinking of just chinese people in a chinese co company but but actually it sucks in so much talent across the world because of that hunger people want to be part of that but part mm -hmm. of that success don't they mm -hmm. exactly um so i'm gonna so in summary i think you've said that China is unique with that hunger of growth and, and that's pushed you on as a leader to really work out ways to inspire your team because, because they want to develop. So you're making sure that, that, you, that you're developing and, and you've got clarity and that you're not letting them down. Is that, mm. would, would that be fair? Would that be a fair summary of what you said? I think so because um, otherwise you're going to have uh, really talented people leaving after six to eight months because yeah. they have outgrown your company. Yeah. So... Um, we're going to move. We're going to move forward um, to APAC now. I know it's still really early days. Mm. Um, 
it's a different team, it's smaller and so on. Um, do you feel like you're going to have to um, adapt your style in, in, in Singapore to lead APAC? Mm. Um, it's true, you're, you're right. Um, I have been back for near to two months um, and um, I'm transiting back from uh, six years and more in Shanghai. So um, in, in this situation, I, I do not yet I do not yet sense um, any huge difference in cultural context, right? Um, how I, so I, I would like to maybe focus um, on something else, which is, which is that to me, um, over the last two months versus the last six and a half years, I think the more pronounced difference um, is the setup of the APEC team, right? And we have teams sitting in Singapore with me. We also have uh, team members in Malaysia and in Hong Kong. Um, and the teams are, are dispersed uh, across the APEC region. Um, and this is slightly um, different from what I'm used to, where in Shanghai, we had 110 people uh, all on one level uh, on a very uh, open uh, space. Um, so uh, over the last two months, there, there were many uh, small things that I had to um, adapt to or do differently. Um, but I would say that uh, the biggest um, of them all would be how uh, to foster a sense of connection. Um, in China, I, I, where, where I came back two months ago, the, 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 it's already, it's already um, work as normal there. So we had that privileged uh, form of communication, which is face-to-face, -face, right? Yeah. And, and today, um, what we have in APEC, um, the communication is replaced uh, uh, um, by a large extent, actually, um, by writing. So we chat on Google, uh, we chat on WhatsApp, on WeChat, we align on Google documents, emails, etc. Um, now, that's the observation. Um, maybe I will I will take this obje observation and I will try to um, think a bit how how it has um, uh, 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 required me to adapt. I, I think the first the first uh, implication for 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 me personally is that I I felt that um, I had to communicate more frequently, mm -hmm. or I had to be more intentional about maintaining a higher level of communication um, yeah. so that I ensure that uh, there is engagement and there are uh, opportunities actually uh, for discussion or clarification on work matters, mm. right? I mean, you could easily uh, leave a comment on uh, a Google slide or a Google doc, but that feels um, very cold. Uh, yep. And it, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't uh, allow that person to clarify. Um, that person usually always answers, right? Um, so that's one thing that I, I try to uh, um, do more intentionally, which is to to initiate a higher frequency of communication. And I think actually second implication. And I came back to to APEC, um, uh, starting work um, in in a setup like that. And, and there are many people actually uh, on the APEC team that I have not met. Um, so the, the funny thing here is that, um, I, the funny thing here is that you need to, from day one or from the get-go, uh, when you, your job is to drive APEC, you, you, you need to instill that trust, right? Mm. That you have in, in the team that you have not seen. Um, yeah. 
Now, the 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 challenge comes when um, you actually combine, if I can, implication one, which requires you to to actively um, communicate more, and then you combine this with implication two, that requires um, me to intentionally instill um, this sense of trust that I have in a team, right? Um, so how do you do that? So if, if, if I go back to um, where things were normal, so where you have uh, the entire office um, space uh, in a building and you, you have everyone sitting together, you would bump into a team member, right? At the yep. pantry or at the stairs and, and you would ask him or her, right? Uh, how, how is his day, how a specific project is moving along. Um, but all that is gone uh, here now, uh, here meaning in APEC and now. Yep. Um, so, so managing a large part of the team remotely, uh, for me, means that uh, the interactions will have to be uh, a lot more intentional. And um, you, have to, you have to make sure that um, amidst uh, these intentional interactions, you do not come across as you are micromanaging and that uh, you don't trust them. So yeah. all in all, yes, uh, fostering a sense of connection and ensuring uh, that work is delivered to this um, expected level uh, of, of, of uh, excellence or standards without FaceTime. Uh, I think those are the two uh, biggest differences um, so far, transiting I, from China back to APEC. I think also, Serene, there's a real, you've, you've highlighted something that's really big at the moment anyway because of coronavirus, which is lots of us have not transitioned back to the office. So I don't see my team anymore as an example, but I think you make some really good points on on, on managing remotely and and all that thing about being more intentional about ma making yourself accessible, we see that mm. in, we see that in our data all the time. Um, we're just going to move on to the next question. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention we're on the Chinese section. We our data comes from nine, over ninety countries, and the happiest employees across the entire world on, on our, in, within our database um, is Chinese employees. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah, I should have said that at the beginning. We should have made that about the whole podcast. But amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I, there is some fascinating stuff that that you've said there around progression and and um, wanting to do it because it is linked to progression. Um, but maybe we'll re when we've got some more data, we'll rehook up on that one and and just go through that because I think that's a whole podcast in itself. Um, but the data, the data I want to talk about today, I'm just going to read it out. Um, women own 30.9% of all businesses in China. According to the most recent MasterCard index of women entrepreneurs, that puts it on par with neighboring Singapore um, and well ahead of Japan on 17.6, which are the top three. In some Chinese industries, the percentage of female founders is much higher. Among new tech startups, for example, 55% are being founded by women. Um, I'm just going to quote something Brandon said when we were talking about the Black Lives Matters movement. Brandon James was on a previous podcast. Um, mm. He said, I have, I, I'm a man who happens to be black. Um, I, I see you as a, a leader who happens to be a woman. Um, but in your, in your opinion, why, why are Singapore and China leading the way on female entrepreneurship when so many other countries really struggle in this area? Um. I find I find your statistics very interesting. Um, it, it's something that I would not have guessed, um, or it's something that did not did not appear very obvious to me. Do you believe um, the, Do you believe the numbers? Is the first question I suppose. Then I do because actually, when um, I intentionally try recalling um, uh, my my personal observation, 
um, especially in the tech uh, 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 area, there are a lot of uh, female entrepreneurs. So I find your statistics interesting. It's just that it's not that it's unbelievable. It's just that it required me to um, take a moment to maybe try to understand um, why. Uh, yeah. because it wasn't so obvious to me and yeah. and I'm I'm going to try to make a guess okay um because it it aligns with my observation um but I'm trying to trying to piece all of my other experiences together and and let's try to maybe go a bit deeper to understand yes, why please. why there is this scenario and, and I also, think let's call out yeah. let's call out Serene like meeting you guys in your business there was three mm. of you running, running the business 66 percent mm. of you were uh, female and 33 <laughs> percent were male so it was some of some of this data was right in front of you exactly um we do have a lot of uh, females uh in our company um but Okay, let let's try to let's try to figure this out. I find yes, it quite please. interesting. Yeah, me too. So so before we 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 try to diagnose uh why I I think uh for everyone to align everyone I I don't know uh, I think this is this is popular notion but um I I I I want to repeat that the Chinese culture it. Uh, it does not. It does not innately uh, cultivate authoritativeness or autonomy in a woman, right? It, this is a, um, this is relative, and so uh, I say that the Chinese culture relative to to America, for example, um, it it doesn't promote that, right, in a woman. Um, the the more traditional um, uh, social fabric is that uh, of a paternal uh, sole breadwinner. Right, where the woman typically focuses on or takes pride in uh, family household duties. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, so when you tell me a Chinese woman pursuing um, commercial and business success, um, I feel that I, I, I said I needed some time to think about this because for me, this, this trend or this current observation, for me, it challenges um, the traditional status quo. Okay, yeah. and and okay, so let's go go and uh, uh uh spare some time to think about why this could be um happening. So China opened up about about say forty years ago, right? Um, yeah. and I think since then you you see that in music, you see that in um entertainment, you see that in cuisine, um, but European and American influences they have they have permeated the 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 Chinese culture, right? And and on top of some of the things that I mentioned, uh, some of the, the influences that I mentioned uh, coming from the West, um, one of it inevitably would be uh, the empowerment of women, right? Yeah. So um, the empowerment of uh, women, I think, is one of the concepts that has advanced very, very rapidly over the last decade as compared to over the last 40 years. Um the the traditional gender construct right um it it is it it is it has since i think weakened and and today actually if you work or you have lived in cities like shanghai beijing shenzhen um it is actually very obvious that there is this i say honorable uh, there is this honorable degree of uh, gender equality in workplaces okay and and from my personal observation i think I think today's landscape is also a result of China's uh, one-child policy. Have Have you heard of that? Yes. Uh, Matt? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So 
a lot of uh, my colleagues um, in Artifact China, they, they do not have siblings. So um, they mm. are the only child in the family. And um, I think China always, uh, not always, they had a one-child policy uh, since um, 40 over years ago. And actually up until 2000, I think 15 or 16, when I was, uh, I was already working in China, they announced that uh, they were going to stop that. So if I imagine and uh, if I imagine how most of my colleagues in Artifact China are the only child, it means that the son is the only child and the daughter is also the only child, yeah, right? So the really impact, yeah. So I think the impact um, of equality or gender equality, I think it, it it stems a bit from that as well. So so you. You imagine when a family, you, you welcome your only child. And in a situation where that only child is a daughter instead of a son, you, you bring up your, your, only, your only daughter, your only child who happens to be a daughter with never, no less expectation, right? I'd, ne that I'd, of never, a son. I'd never even considered that, Serene. You've really opened my eyes on that. I, I, this is what I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, ha I have no data uh, no, to, to support I think, this. <laughs> I, I think it's incredible insight, and I, and I and I think then the, the, the uh, one thing I've noticed is how nurturing people are of each mm. other, whether they're mm. brother or sister. Because here it's like that people have that saying, don't they? Like blood is thicker than water. But I always remember that my last meeting in Beijing. I mm. we were we were at um, a tech unicorn, and. We basically there was we had this big meeting and I told this guy about our plans for China and so on and so on and then he messaged me that night and said mm. and basically said should we meet do you want to meet for breakfast Matt it was really nice to meet you blah 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 mm. and I turn up for breakfast and he's written an entire plan about how we can make it in China the happiness index just off of mm. his own back like no expectation or anything mm. and I was a bit I was a bit jet lagged I felt like crying I I no one had <laughs> so cry so so like lovely for me in my entire career and i just i think there is a, a huge nurturing amongst chinese people outside of their own family which i, I think your point is fascinating um so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you to answer the next question in you, you can have maximum two sentences um because i want to really really um get into why you're such a great leader and i want to capture it um but for those listening there might be emerging leaders existing leaders what's your one tip for leading people What's the one tip uh, yeah, for one leading tip? people? Well, make it about them, not about yourself. Brilliant. I don't think we need to say anything more than that, do we? That is absolutely amazing. Um, uh, Serene, yeah. I ha I I'm so pleased that I've got you on here to discuss all this. I've learned so much. And as ever, um, I'm inspired by you. So thank you for taking your time out today. Thank you, Matt. You're always so kind. Thank you. Well, I speak the truth. Thanks, Serene. Bye, guys. Cheers.